Hello and welcome to BZ Listening. I'm your host, BZ Douglas. And before we get into today's episode featuring Mikey Silas, I just wanted to talk briefly a bit about the podcast and what I've got planned. Um, so I hadn't intended on taking a break, but life got a little overwhelming in a good way in the fall and my schedule is finally starting to calm down. And the other thing is going into the podcast this time out, I've got a better sense of what I'm in for producing the show, so uh, I'm hoping to keep the episodes coming out pretty steady. Last season closed out with uh, my first non-music interviews, one with writer and activist Holly LaCroix, and the other was an archive chat Deb and I had about the night we spent in Zuccotti Park during Occupy Wall Street. So I've been looking back through my contacts, and I, I realized I know a lot of activists doing really great work in a lot of different areas, so I'm going to be bringing a lot more of them onto the show as well, uh, and I've also decided to raise the stakes for myself as a podcast producer and start reaching out to outside organizations and other professionals whose work I follow and, and admire, and uh, I've already had some success booking these interviews, and I'm really excited to share them with you in the coming weeks and months. Music will still be a core pillar of the show. Uh, in fact, this episode is kicking off what uh, I call Music Mondays. Uh, activists and journalists might end up being tricky to schedule on a regular basis, but there's no shortage of great grassroots musicians out there that uh, I can talk to. So that's going to be a regular feature. Every Monday we're going to have a new musician on, and uh, at the very least that'll be the, the steady content backbone of the show. So one last thing in the uh, podcast housekeeping department. Um, I'd love to hear from any listeners out there. Uh, all I have in front of me are very generic numbers, uh, but there's no detailed analytics on who or where my audience is. So uh, I've set up an email for the show, bzlistening at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot me a message if you have any guest requests, comments, criticisms, uh, or you can always hit me up on Twitter at bzdug. That's bzdug. Tried to keep it easy. All right, so that covers all the state of the show stuff. Um, today's episode is with one of the, in my opinion, rising stars of the Cleveland music scene, Mikey Silas. Mikey's got a stage presence as big as his heart, and he's just a constant font of positivity and, and encouragement, both in person and online, which is refreshing online. Someone who's just always positive. And uh, I first heard him at an open mic in 2018 and, and was instantly captivated by his soulful vocals and passionate performance style. So uh, if you dig Mikey's work, be sure to visit MikeySilas.com and follow Apostle Jones, his band, on Instagram and Facebook. And all those links will be in the episode description. So that about covers everything. Now let's kick off the first Music Monday of 2019 with... Mikey Silas. So Mikey Silas, it's been it's been already a pleasure having you here. I love that we just um, whether or not it gets into the show uh, might be setting up a Patreon account and then that'll be like the bonus material. It's like, oh, subscribe to hear about hear me and Mikey Silas just riff on everything from that in horoscopes show. to conspiracy theories. We're going to get the well, they'll have to pay. They'll have to pay for the privilege to come after us for that. It'll be gated content. Maybe they can come see a show or somewhere. <laughs> How about that? 
<laughs> but it's already been uh, a fun chatting with you. But I'm yeah, I want to I kind of want to rewind it back. So the thing I like about this show so far is um, all the musicians I've had on from Cleveland. I've met you at I met you at uh, uh, Bobby Vaughn's open mic over at Nitro. BV. Yeah. And, um, you know, he actually recorded the first guy to record both me and Anthony. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. That was the most magical night ever. It was one of the, the first time. It's like the first time you had sex or something. <laughs> it was three times. Three times. And, <laughs> right. One take, Osmonds. There we go. You know. um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've met you. I met you at Open Mic, and then I saw you at the McFarland, uh, McFarland Manor shows, I believe, and then had you play the carnival. Um, but the thing I love about this podcast, it's, it's, uh, it's a great way to just be like, I'm going to sit down and get to know you. And I don't have to like wait for that organic moment to happen. This is a segment that sort of uh, has evolved to be behind the banter. Sure. So I'm watching some of your old sets, and you're playing this one, and you, and you brought up your background. and uh, uh, But it was tied to s- s- your love of spirituals. So were you oh, – yeah. Were you? Um, did you come up in the church? Uh, my I grew up in a Unitarian church. Oh. So my grandfather was a Unitarian minister, um, and – I was not always a good singer. I always liked singing. Um, And so I really learned a lot about singing like in choirs. Um, And musicals is another one. Um, And the records my parents would play all the time. It's a lot of like 60s and 70s stuff. Um, But spirituals are always something I really connected with. and did a lot more towards high school with that with that whole thing. Um, when you were really young, was there anything that you can look back and you know, the, looking back through history, you can see, oh, that's that's where I can see. I started to embark on on the path of like being a musician and something that that was going to be part of my character. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I grew up and I was much, very much like an outdoors kid. Like we played out on the playground, we made up games and hid in bushes and popped out at each other with squirt guns and capture the flag and go to the store and see who could get the most candy in their pockets and leave without getting caught. I mean, like stupid things like that, you know. Um, and music, I mean, honestly, like Elton John was probably my very first inspiration um somebody's music there's also you know i also came out gay when i was 13 so i was a young young gay when i came out boy was i ready um but like music was such an important part for me to i didn't really struggle with being gay it was like it wasn't like uh what do i do what do i do it was more like how do i just say it type of a thing and i remember there's this one album by jewel that i love very much that was um she had a song called Pieces of You. And one of the lines is, You say he's a faggot, but he's afraid you're just the same. I remember crying. He's a faggot. And I remember I was going to tell my parents, and I wrote this letter, and then I locked myself in my room and just listened to that song on repeat over and over again. Um, the Bodyguard soundtrack. I mean, so like 
like uh, the Disney movies, you know, like the Lion King, um, like Lionel Richie. And then for my parents' side, like Aretha Franklin and Anita Baker and David Bowie. So it's like this really weird combination of different things. Um, so I've played sports. I played hockey and baseball and all that other kind of stuff. And then when I got to high school, I was a really good swimmer. Like I could have been Olympic stuff, I think, I was told. But I didn't care because I wanted to sing. So I quit sports and did two, two periods of choir and show choir in high school. And that kind of really ignited, like, music. And that's when I started, like, finding sheet music and trying to learn how to play the songs myself um, on the piano. Um, and then I went to school for theater. Did you I, just have, like, a piano in the house? Or did you yeah. have to ask for one or a no, keyboard to get it? I, I grew up in one of those, like, families where, like, we definitely didn't have a lot of money or anything. But parents always seemed to come through when you needed something. So one day they just rolled up with this big old Kimball. They said Kimball on it tall upright piano none of the ivories were on it they all got chipped off and there were definitely some notes that sounded like 10 notes when you hit it and but like i would just sit there and i would go through this r&b book and try to play these lionel richie songs and um the whiz the musical came up earlier in a conversation today um like those are some of my biggest just inspirations just pieces i connected with i remember being a young a, a young one laying on the couch by myself watching the end of the whiz and Lena Horne singing "If You Believe" and it was just—I just—I'll never forget like that moment. I can picture the couch, the room, the pillow I was hugging just by myself. And Not because I told you to. No, go ahead, believe, believe in yourself. I don't know. The musical journey has been from a lot of different things. Um, and then I went to school for theater and really uh, studied voice there and acting. I don't think I was ever really that good of an actor, though. My self-confidence sometimes is pretty low. Um, but um, but really kind of used theater as an outlet for music and because um, um, I, I love to sing. You know, the acting was kind of a secondary thing for a long time. Um, and then... That just kind of opened up a pathway. And then, uh, speaking of Obama, like I worked this job and I lived, so I went to school. I grew up here in Cleveland, but I went to school in Chicago. Just for the for the listeners, so you know, it was probably cut, but we were talking about politics. <laughs> but when Obama. We, wait for a while before we started this <laughs> podcast. So that's why speaking of Obama. When the Affordable Care Act came out, I was like, you know what? I don't need the full-time job for health insurance anymore. So I switched to like working coffee shops and uh, restaurants. And then I started to explore um, doing uh, visual art, uh, writing music, trying to learn how to play guitar, kind of pick, found a keyboard and started playing it again. Um, yeah, so it's been a kind of a, so that's probably been about the last like five years or so um, of slowly kind of trying to figure out not necessarily who I am because I don't think we ever really figure out who we are exactly 
I learned a while ago that there's not an easy answer for that. Um, should we just start? All right, this is the first song Anthony and I wrote together as um, what would become Apostle Jones. Um, Montana Sky, <laughs> the name left me for a second. Um. Oh, wow. 
infinite eternal and immortal thank you <laughs> um well i just remember i remember those years from college like you know most of my 20s it was like every year i'd look back and be like i'm like totally different than i was the year before and it wasn't until like i started to hit 30 that i felt like i was okay now i got a I got a pretty good grasp on who i am i was also someone who um, Deb and I are actually working on a show about our, our relationship and finding each other. And, and a part of that show is me talking about the fact that I was sort of a serial monogamist. Oh. And oh I, I Lord, constantly... Get out of here, serial what? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always a serial... Have that little pause in there to create some tension. Say it, uh, say it. But I kept prioritizing finding someone. I think there was like... There's, it's just in the culture that sort of like bangs into you with movies and books and everything that like it's it has to be a priority to find love and support love on top of whatever you know pathology I had with you know how my parents' relationship was and that's that's could be a whole psychological podcast I'll just talk to myself about that but <laughs> but it wasn't until I finally broke free of that like finding someone that I was just like, I need to figure out me. Right. And, and, and that happened for me going into open mics and, and finding this, this musician that I didn't even know I had for 30 years. I mean, I'd played guitar since I was 12, but it was more like I owned a guitar and I'd always fiddle around with it and pick it up here and there. But it wasn't until I was about 30 that I started just being like, this is something I need to do. Yeah. So I'll get a little real. Like, I don't know if it's one of those things like, what do you say? How much do you say? What do you want to say? And like age is one of those things, especially in like the music industry or whatever. Like, you know, there's this sort of, I don't, I don't know if it's even a real thing anymore, but like if you're past a certain age or like irrelevant or whatever, you know, so I try to like keep it under wraps, like how old I am. But like there was like definitely a period in college, like around 22 or 23 where I just stopped growing as a person, you know? Um, for several reasons. Um, but like, I didn't really come out of that, like looking for love outside of myself and all the wrong places for 12, 14 years, not until very recently, actually when I moved back to Cleveland, um, kind of came at a point of like, all right, do I make a change in my life or do I stay 
or do I just stay kind of lost in, in my own world looking for patterns and conspiracies and everything like that? Um, which God love it. A lot of my music and, and heartache that, that kind of is a driving force towards like, towards wanting to create and make the world a better place and uplift people up and not leave the door open for other people. Don't abandon them. You know, the values that I have now, um, you know, really came from years of feeling just constantly on the outside, um, outside of myself, outside of other people, outside of social situations, you know, constantly looking for how do I fit into the, into this world, you know, and it's something I still struggle with. I mean, I think a lot of people do. Um, right, guys? Right? No one? Okay. We got you. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dude, okay. Just about our nookable water cup. Um, no, I'm good. I'm just being dramatical. Um, so, like, there's, like, a whole – so I'm just kind of waking up from that. I'm sort of like, all right, hey, let's do this now. And then I'm like – but then I there's just uh, – yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. So, um, Well, I don't – I mean, I for me, I, I, I at least – this. I mean, this leads into a question I feel like I ask everybody um, – how how are, are you measuring success? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I do want to make money. I mean, I think that's – we talked about politics earlier. Um, look for the unedited version of this later. Um, but, um, you know, there's a certain amount of it that you have to accept because it's a reality. You know, it's like you need to have money. And, like, having money is not just about I want to buy this and I want to buy that. Like, I want to take care of people. I want to be able to use it to to create opportunities or to have more influence you know so like so that's an important part of anything um if it comes from the powerball so be it (laughs) but um (laughs) but i think a big thing for me with music it's like i mean there's just thing just about and it's hard for me to like talk about myself and not feel like um to be frank an asshole but like the joy of Well, you didn't ask to be on my podcast. I asked you. Oh, thank you. And you need to talk about yourself if you're going to be on my show. <laughs> Would love to. Um, thank you. Just waiting for the all go ahead. You got the green light. Baby. Um, you know, I just to me like there's just like a gift I have with my voice and just what I'm able to tap into and I just I know that it has that there's like a force to it that is something that's albeit greater than me or whatever like that but like success would be being able to use that in a way that that touches other people I mean it's an important part for me um and not only that but like anytime I do a live performance and there's that strong relationship with people who are listening and engaged with 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 what I'm putting out there frankly um I learn a lot about as a performer and as, as just like as a, as a whole, as a human with, with a soul, you know, it's just like, I like, it's just, it, it's, it's enriching. It's powerful. I almost want to say it's like a drug and you get high from it and you want to do it again. But like, but it is, it's one of those things. Oh, absolutely. Um, so uh, success is really just continuing to, to kind of like parallel you like to develop and to keep, keep those moments coming it's one of the reasons why theater is really attractive maybe i'll go back to theater later on i just did a show recently um it was a lot of fun i think i'm a much better actor now than i was then (laughs) um 
uh, when I first started doing. I'm really, stuff. I really hate that it just it. There was no night that worked out with our schedules, or my or my schedule to get out and see that. But that sounded like an amazing show. It was a lot of fun. It was just really quality people. Again, a really great experience. It was just called Queen. Uh, no, we route. will rock you. We will rock show you. at Blank Canvas Theater. Yeah, a really great theater. It's one of the first theaters that I knew of when I moved back to Cleveland. I didn't really know much about it. I just know I went to the West Seventy Eighth Street Art Studios, which is one of those events. Going there, I was like, Cleveland is cool. I'm sad I left Chicago for a number of reasons: heartbreak, things I'm not ready to let go of, haven't let go of, will never let go of. I don't know. Um, but going there kind of renewed my sort of like faith and. I can have an experience here that's not just like someplace where I grew up as a kid. Well, and I mean, I, I lived in New York for 10 years, and five of those I was just in sort of a very stagnant relationship. It wasn't bad. It wasn't abusive. But it didn't – I didn't grow in it. And it and it was leaving that relationship mm. that when I was out of it, uh, I, that was when I decided – what do I want to do? And initially it was, I wanted to do, try stand-up comedy. It's, it was a form I'd always venerated. And I don't know, I, I, I just didn't warm up to stand-ups. And I ended up really getting tight with the musicians. And then I started doing, also stand-ups had this attitude of like, you're not good yet, man. You can come talk to me when you're good. Like the, the guys who were really amazing who would get up there and just like, had a tight set and hammer out jokes. And I, and if I went up to them like, wow, I really liked your set. They're like, uh-huh. Uh, nice. Whereas, and then I, so I befriended the musicians and one of them um, inspired me to start playing music. He's actually the one who nicknamed me Beezy. And then when I started playing music, I'm like, I'm going to take that nickname. That's Beezy. That, yeah. I'll ride. I'll roll with that. And the thing that was great about music that was like, Especially looking back and listening to old recordings when I was first starting, I was like, I was, I was terrible. Oh lord! But I know, I know. I was reason, about to go through and clear out the, the reason I, archives. I, I think uh, the reason that I like gravitated towards music so much and why I still like doing it is because there's still an actor in me. There's still someone who likes to get on stage and channel emotions and 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 be an exhibitionist or whatever. And music became this really great outlet for that need. And the coolest thing about it from at least the music community that I happen to be surrounded with and that I continue to see is just that they would, other musicians who were really amazing, who had really great guitar chops and vocal chops, were able to see like, I see where you're going. Keep up with it. And in a way that I didn't get it all from stand-up You know, comics. Cleveland's been really cool about that. I got, like, big props to Cleveland um, and its music community. I mean, it's just – there's a lot of love, you know. And, and, like, I mean, I learned a while ago that there's always going to be someone who can sing higher than you, sing more in, t in tune, can sing – uh, can play better, can do this, can write that song you wish you wrote. You know, there's always going to be that, you know, just, like – there's this little Instagram meme that I screenshotted on my phone every now and just like said something to the, it says, um, you know, you're always inspiring someone, even if you, even if they pretend like they're not paying attention to you, trust me. Either like you that. shared that or someone shared that. On I Facebook don't know. I might, I might have shared it a couple of times. God, every now that. and then I need that little boost. Yeah. Uh, Instagram's great for like synchronistic messages. If you ever want to know. Open up Instagram. I won, I won the lottery one time with this little clown picture holding a thing. I want to play that number three times and that ding, 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 cha ching. 
little little did the universe know exactly how much I needed for rent that month too. Wow. <laughs> but I think um yeah, the Cleveland music community has just been fantastic. You know, it's very encouraging, you know, um What are you saying about like comparing your when you kind of like yeah, it's not the sort of headspace that's helpful to like compare yourself to other people, but you as long as you always know like I'm singing my truth. Right. Yeah, it's hard. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to kind of like accept that and to not try to keep up with the Joneses. You know, e- e- even with a supportive and loving group of people around you, you know, the really strong community, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to not keep up with your own expectations you have for yourself and like the validation from other people. You know, it's something that, that I struggle with and it's something that um, – that honestly I just kind of try to just wipe my feet at the door and just show up and, and do what I and just do what I need to do you know just whether it's just try to do one thing better or just have a good performance or just remember all the words this time whatever um it's funny you're talking about how like that need to find love at one point in your life and I was in a stale relationship for a while. Um, then I got out of that, and I knew exactly I was reconnected with my artistic passion again. This was like probably when I was like 26, right before my 27th birthday. Um, and this theater company was doing this amazing creative work, and that really it ins- like it infused a lot of stand up, uh, improv. Uh, rock music, uh, all these other different elements to create these like really original world premiere theater pieces. And that really kind of set me on a journey. And then I was a bad person, so it didn't really last very well. Um, <laughs> it didn't last. There was all this like relationships and like affairs and all this other juju going on that was just kind of like, it was, it was, yeah, it was a slow boat to nowhere ultimately. Yeah, let's unpack that. Unpack that? No. Oh, <laughs> no. Lord. <laughs> Tell us everything about how bad you were. No. It's in the music. We don't do that. You can okay. hear it in the songs. This uh, song's called uh, Tina Turner. It was originally called Let Her Go. Now, I'd like to play a little bit of what the original kind of sounds like for a second. Then we'll kind of bleed into the way it is as Apostle Jones. Um, Sometimes when you're feeling a certain way The pain in my heart 
I wrote a letter to myself so I could feel love. There's a friend of mine in the Cleveland music community who just like within the last year or so has said to me like, you know, when I first heard you, it sounded like you're trying to pull every trick out of the bag a little bit. You know, and I think definitely it's settled more into my voice. It was kind of challenging going back to do that theater show because I was like, oh, no, I'm kind of not like the singer who just sings anything just because it's there. Like I have a much more set like standard for myself, you know, not to go way high or or sing certain certain styles anymore. So theater is kind of a, is a challenge musically to go back to the musical theater world. Um but ultimately, it went pretty well. I think it's why I'm a better actor now, because that went a lot better. <laughs> um, but part of... Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some songs that have lasted a long time. You know, just like sometimes there's certain things you write that are associated with certain events, people, places, or things that lose their importance over time, especially as you get further away from them. And then the song can become more reflective and it's not as fresh anymore but it's still serviceable if you have a three-hour gig and you're trying to fill some fill some time up um but that's like uh one of the interesting things that's happened in this last year is while a lot of people are out there looking for love and mr and mrs right or them right or they right whatever you want to call it these days z. um yeah I, I don't think i don't think z or and zay is is a thing anymore though oh okay i, th I think like the the un the universe the universal the universe of dictionaries and Merriams and it Webster's, just, it didn't, it didn't they catch. decided that them and they could be a singular pronoun now. Anyway, um, uh, while a lot of people out there looking for like that soulmate, like I made it a true intention to find like that creative partner. Um, that, that's been like my big goal for a long time. Um, and in this past year, Although we didn't meet under the under the intentions of becoming like musical partners at all or anything like that, um, uh, Anthony Hitch, who I've been playing a lot with lately, it's just like whether it's like our cosmic polarities that we have and the different experiences and the sort of like whirlwind that brought us in together. It's interesting. A lot of those older songs <clears throat> that I wrote a long time ago have now been turned into have been given new life um, in collaborating with Anthony, who just brings a whole new like um, it just it complements it so well. And but the challenge of working with somebody like that is I used to be told by people when I was out there trying to figure it out on my own, trying to s switch my identities up from theater guy to artist guy to like um, recovering asshole type of thing. You know, people would say, I would get accused of waiting for someone else to come and help me finish something or to start something new. And a friend would tell me, so funny, on Facebook memories today, a little picture of this person popped up today. Uh, they say, you know, sometimes you got, you got to do it by yourself. You know, you can't wait for someone else to do it for you. So, but through astrology and all this other kind of stuff, I realized, you know, my Venus is in Libra which is about partnerships and learning who you are through relationships and having like that type of strong partner to relate to, <clears throat> especially in a creative way is really, really enriching, you know, and it's, I think it's an important part of, of my musical evolution. Um, hopefully it's an important part of Anthony's. I don't know. He doesn't talk as much these days sometimes. <laughs> Hi Anthony over there. Hey, um, no, nah, I'm just playing around with him, but, um, but it's been it's been a really cool thing. So like a lot of the songs that we do as our group, Apostle Jones, um, 
is our songs we, we've written original songs together but a lot of them are like these sort of where's my life where's my heart where's my soul type of songs that we kind of just like pump a little bit of energy into i don't know a different type of energy i won't say the other songs don't have an energy they definitely do um but yeah it's hard sometimes to to want to play some old songs or this when you also feel like there's this expectation of we need up tempo we need fast pace we need we need beat stuff people can dance to um i don't know just it's one of those things that's why it's important i think to sometimes just stick to what you write and, and just do that you know create release create release create release create release do you find that there's um an emotional space that you're most comfortable in when you're creating songs that you go to yes when the moon is on my ascendant <laughs> it's an astrological thing um <laughs> wait can you say it again i was so excited to say that that i missed what you actually said um <laughs> is there uh an emotional sort of place that you you know a lot of you've just looking back find that a lot of your songs come out of like if yeah it's anger mostly, or if it's appreciation for beauty or if it's frustration or you know um i mean i'm someone who's consistently not had successful relationships whether i just didn't have the maturity to give people space or to understand like what was was responsible about wanting to have someone invest their time and emotions in you or whatever you know like whatever that is um so a lot of like relationship stuff waiting being impatient for people a lot of like escapism whether it's using drugs or or coming out of like different depressive holes of like bad choices in a row you know those sort of like shame spirals you go on you know, and using music to really kind of get yourself out of that funk, you know, and to really express, like, where, what's going on, where do I go from here? Um, music has been one of those, like, uh, it's been sort of that that light that sort of just, there's still something to focus on that can sort of show your way through the darkness um, of being alone or unsure about things or whatever. Um so when did you, uh, you, you said you came back to Cleveland from Chicago? Yeah. Um, so how long have you been in Cleveland uh, discovering the music scene here? Um, I, I mean, I definitely came back to Cleveland, and that was like my intention, you know, was to do music and art and, yeah. to, uh, and to sort of like, enjoy the the second chance at life a little bit you know um uh that was about two years ago i moved back here so um i probably spent like the first year sort of hitting the open mics um a little bit and just trying to like really i mean i moved back to cleveland with nothing you know just absolutely nothing and really had to kind of like build myself back up again um including friends. I find that's a, that's a wonderful thing about open mics. I wasn't afraid to move back to Cleveland, but like, oh, I won't know anyone. So I was like, well, I know I'll go to the open mics and I will find my people. Yeah. There's an open mic in Chicago that I went to towards the, towards the end of my 14 or so 15 years there. Um, 
that really kind of was a strong community for me when I really didn't have a lot of people around me at the time. Um, so I knew open mics were like a place where, where there is a chance to meet people to connect with. Um, just on a human level, you know, people would have real conversations about real, real stuff. Um, and I don't think, I, you know, I, there was a period of time where I had this psychologist at this like underserved gay and lesbian health center thing. Um, and the times that I did go and was on time when we had, when I talked mostly for the 90 minutes or whatever that we were together, <laughs> I think at the end of our like 16 weeks together, she said, all right, now that I've listened to you for about 16 weeks, I'm going to actually say something this time. <laughs> um, and what she said to me was like, uh, you know, out of all the stuff that's happened to you, um, we, trust me, we don't have enough time on this podcast to go A to Z through any of it. But, um, uh, you know, you never gave up hope. That's the one thing that I never let go of. And, like, that hope is so tied to not giving up. And music is such a part of, like, not giving up to me, you know. Um, trying to put the brakes on going to astrological talk. It gets a little winded sometimes. But one of my purposes, I think, in this lifetime <clears throat> is to is to learn how to express myself and how to communicate things. I have the North Node, which is your destiny in life, in the house of Gemini, which is communication in the third house, which is definitely the house of Gemini of communications. So super, super strong. Like like a lot of times with people with that placement may have like a stutter, may have trouble spelling or whatever, and I had a terrible stutter when I was little. I'm looking back at old papers. I just moved recently to the West Side and have all these boxes of old papers from high school and middle school. I'll tell you, all the way up through high school, I was a terrible speller. I was like, I wrote a paper called Millennium, spelled wrong. <laughs> uh, just everything. I'm just like, I'm kind of embarrassed to like read them for myself. Like, who was that? I don't know him. <laughs> it was me the whole time. Um, but yes, yeah, so I feel like all that stuff. I feel like I'm kind of babbling now about all that, but. Well, no, I was just curious. Um, so you've been here for two years. Oh, yeah, and, two years. And, and, the, and the, the, Cleveland, um, uh, the Cleveland scene, how has it, it treated you? And, and I think, like, the big thing about the Cleveland scene, frankly, probably, I don't know if I can say this about any scene, um, is, and it's a sensitive thing to say because it's hard to say it without sounding like you're, angling for something but like ah oh, sweet i thought that was raindrops it's a hamster in a, in a yeah the, ham it. the hamsters need to get out it's either we hear their balls rolling around or the squeak no, of it. the Sorry. one's wheel um the cleveland i think a lot in any in any situation you're gonna get mostly what you give back from it mm. you know and that's not always a promise or guarantee you know but i think um i i can't i just feel like if it's been great. That's what I'm trying to say. It's been great. I feel incredibly lucky. I feel incredibly blessed. And I don't even know, like, where I fit in with all of it or any of that stuff, you know. And that's sort of, like, again, we were talking about earlier, that need to, like, want to understand what this is, where you fit in, and what all the pieces mean and everything like that. You know, I just kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's great. There's a lot of great people. A lot of great talent, my goodness. 
I can't really say no that much about the Chicago music scene to really compare it or whatever. So it's mostly in the theater scene over there. Um, but from what I hear from other people and for what it's worth just on an experience basis, you know, there's not a better community of people that really look out for each other. And I feel like people, people respect when you look out for them, you know. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great place. I, th I don't know if it's something to do with Cleveland or just whatever, the universe, but it's, uh, it's a special place. I wonder how you feel about it. I, I've been finding it's really, really warm. You know, it, it's, it, it wasn't too hard to, like I said, just wade into these waters, start going to open mics. Actually, I mean, I sent Deb out there, and uh, she, she was sort of like uh, – Getting feeling like I need to get get going with music. I'm, I'm I haven't been into it, and so I was like, you know what, you go. And that she really connected a lot more with people, and she was sort of my scout for like the carnival. Well, that's why I met and her. Yeah, up there singing like she got no business. I sent her. I sent her like out there. I'm like, Beth go Hart out there, queen. find the find our Do people. You know Beth trail. She's coming to the state theater, I think, soon. Well, she came on my playlist earlier. Love her. Beth Hart is one of those artists that, like, when I listen to what she writes and what she plays on piano and how she sings, like, that is probably, like, I remember I first heard her when I was, like, in high school, I think, the L.A. song, the song Leave the Light On. Oh, my God, so good. Um, when I first heard Beth Hart, I was like, that is how. That's why one of the reasons why blues music and um, uh, and a lot of theater music, to be frank, and it's why I don't, I'm not really like a fan of a certain style of music, particularly. I'm not like, oh, I'm only, I only like rock music or I only like, I only like 70s soul or something like that. Yeah. I'm I like, I'm more of a singer's person. Singers and story. Like, those are the things that I like. That's why I can get down with some country music. I can listen to some Tupac. I can listen to um, Muddy Waters. Um, you know, like these, like these voices that, are able to tell a story and to convey messages like that is what that's what really gets me going you know for me it's i think it's always been um i always am drawn towards authenticity yeah when absolutely. i can sense it and i was never someone who was drawn towards an artist because they had a pretty voice and i was always felt alienated from a lot of pop music for that reason because you know people would be like listening to this and i'm like I don't, whatever. And then I'd have friends, you know, or I, I'd know people who would just wince at like listening to something like Tom Waits or the Violent Femmes. We're like, oh, its voice me, is so bad. Me, I'm like, but there's so much coming through yeah, it. Give me Nick Cave any day of the week. You yeah. Know? Um, and I know, and I know that is, if, if there's any reason why people were supportive of me in the beginning, it's because I was selling the emotion of the song even though i didn't have the vocal chops or training necessarily to make it pretty but i was m making sure that like i was feeling something when i sang it right because your audience will feel what you feel this is something that's been coming up lately especially like when recording it's like if it's a very dry room and a dry recording and it's like i can't get a sense of like what the energy of like what the vocals are or mm -hmm. something like it just falls completely flat to me. And if there's not that like emotional realness to it, 
then it's then it's not then it's not the deal. You know, it's not going to work. I've struggled. I feel like I've struggled with that the few times I've tried to like. I don't think I have much like sit down in a room and record something just to create that. I, I, there's part of me that needs that chemistry of an audience to know that I'm selling it to someone. And there's performances. I feel like my best performances that I've walked away from feeling like, Oh, it was good. Like when I used to play uh, on like subway trains or in the sidewalk in New York and just know I was selling a song to strangers and there was nothing that felt better than when you're busking in New York and you're playing on a subway platform. Someone's just there to commute. They didn't come to hear you sing. And then they'll stop and turn around and give you a dollar. Like that was always like the greatest feeling and the best place to practice too, because you can sing the same songs over and over <laughs> and over again. Cause your audience is just constantly rotating. Sometimes even with an audience, you could sing the same song over again. They would never even know. <laughs> but, um, uh, there's a, Oh man, what was it? You said something that was like ding, 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 da da, big point. Um, Chemistry and connecting with an audience and yeah. Meeting. Oh, so like that kind of goes back to like oh, you're talking about like uh, the audience really inspires a reason to do it. Like there was a period of time where as I was really exploring like music and singing and not doing theater stuff. And I would sit there before Facebook Live and, like, make these videos of me singing into the webcam or into the computer cell phone. And I would post these videos um, in, in a way to sort of, like, get a sense of, like, what does this sound like when someone else is listening to it? Um, and then, like, when Facebook Live became a thing, I started really finding those moments as, like, I would start making up songs on the fly. You know, and I would start performing them, even if, like, I wouldn't even look till afterwards if anyone watched it or anything like that. But just knowing that, like, I was just going out there and doing that, like, it just sort of, it's like, all right, this is when the song means something or it doesn't mean something. You know, and this is when, this is when all the, all the, like, neurons are firing and these words make sense and this flows or whatever. All of a sudden, I'm a good guitar player. I'm a terrible guitar player. But, like, all those types of things, um, like, those, those, were the, those really helped the creative process. And also that thing about things being authentic. Um, that's why a lot of the songs that I write come from those places where I feel like <clears throat> I had no choice but to try to make sense of something. Uh, no choice but to try to like figure out where this comes into play um, uh, and how I'm feeling or how I'm dealing about it or like what I think other people are thinking about me, you know, or what I'm thinking about them, you know. Uh, writing from those places really I think helps keep the gives the songs a real soulful edge that that I think really comes from an honest place you know coming from a theater background where it's all like very you know like there's not there's a lot of emotion in it art oh, thank you, thank you. I, I, sorry I'm not gonna applause that little mock moment you had. Um, but like coming from that to like wanting to do something that's more like um, um, don't you know I don't love you? Something like that. It's like there's such a stark difference there, you know, and it's like to like but to know that I can sing one way with like the very the very um, 
I guess some people would say a very trained sound or, oh, you took lessons or you learned how to sing. You took they get that a lot. Um, to have that, to have that like foundation, but to want to like take that further, but then to still have it be authentic is a constant thing that I sort of, I'm not really like, I don't really think about it as much as I used to because I'm not as worried about it because this, I'm kind of like moved away from that and that, that frustration of like, well, who am I? What type of singer am I? Am I, do I fit in this bracket or this category or this or whatever? You know, so I think a lot of people when they hear me perform say, oh, you have soul, you have this. I don't think they're trying to say, oh, you're trying to sing, you're trying to sing like, like you've been somewhere in your life. You're trying to sing like, like something you heard on the radio growing up. I think there's a genuine kind of like, um, what I hope is, is an authenticity that's coming out about like something like, who hurt you, baby? who hurt you? You know, like, like, where is this coming from? You know, just, just the other week at, uh, at, a um, uh, the whiskey bar open mic, um, someone, a stranger, um, came up to me and said, uh, said something to that effect. I won't, I won't, I won't drag that out. It's not as important. Um, but just that idea of kind of like people respond and they hear, they hear what they want to hear. Um, and if they hear something, that's that's one to bring it back to where we started this kind of conversation. That's where I feel like that force is, and that's where that drive to like to want to do it and to want to like make it, not to make it bigger, but to make it more pop, to to give it more reach so that it reaches more people and that that it's able to get that that sense of like human humanity again. You know, like I could probably say there's a lot of situations in my life where I robbed a lot of people of their faith in humanity. Something I heard someone say. I know it's a terrible thing, right? But like trusting people, not showing up when you say you will, not not saying one thing, thinking another does a third, wanting your cake and eating it too, like all this type of stuff that just really drags people down, you know? Um, to want to like then sort of like go back and repay that karmic debt, but to do it through music is something that's really important to me. Your underwear 
tell me about Toledo or I say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you guys very much.